From the Bent Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, an absolutely free podcast covering the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. With me, it's Richard Hunter, two-time funniest man of Reno, Naga silver medalist, and future MMA fighter. The resume's getting longer. And that guy, the two-time UFC heavyweight champion and current Bellator heavyweight contender, Frank Mir. Hey, man, it's great to be here. I'm happy that we're getting going. Uh, we kind of missed the schedule on this one. Uh, yes, people automatically blame me no. when that happens. Guys, I've been up since I left the house at 6.30 a.m. this morning. <laughs> so that's my typical day. I mean, on average. And today I actually did some stuff I can't talk about just yet, but right. obviously things I was telling you about. about Gay my porn. That's yeah, it. In fact, I've said too much already, wish, so I'll just leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> They get paid quite well. <laughs> <laughs> uh so um you know some stuff with depositions and 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 whatnot and future expert you're not being work. sued no okay. actually it looks like i'll be i'm an expert witness okay. now so hopefully okay. i can uh, allude to more details in yeah. the future as court cases come to an end but uh you know look man typically i get up in the morning like we get up at six i drop the kids off at school i go straight to the gym and i lift weights i got about an hour and a half from eight to about nine thirty. Then I zip over to my first uh, teaching session at 10 o'clock. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I teach at Syndicate. I teach a no-gi grappling class that's MMA-orientated. On Thursday, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I go to uh, Robert Drysdale's at Syndicate, or excuse me, uh, Zenith, uh, uh, Drysdale's Jiu-Jitsu, and uh, right. I teach a, a, an MMA stand-up class at that point. And then at 11.30, it's my turn to train. I, I fly down to, if I'm not at Syndicate already, I drive down there as quickly as I can, do the pro class from 11.30 till, uh, you know, 1 o'clock, 1-ish. I go home, I get to take a quick nap, and then by the time 3 o'clock hits, because I usually get home about 2 after I, you know, I get my meal in, and, and two, 3 o'clock hits, uh, 2.45, I'm up, I go down to Meadows, and I pick the two boys up from school, but I actually don't actually pick them up. At 3.15, I meet them inside the gym. Uh, actually, today, Cage bench pressed 135 for three reps on his uh, bench press. Uh, wow. Today. Yeah, not bad for a 12-year-old. No, right? not at all. And so uh, I lift with them, him and Ronan, for... Mm-hmm. Till about four thirty, then we uh, we we go home. We eat. We try to do some quick uh, get some of their homework done. But Cage has been really good so far, getting most of his done in study hall. Mm-hmm. They have to be at football practice at six o'clock. And that's when I drop them off. And then usually at whatever errands I have to run or take care of as far as like, you know, lights are out, garbage needs to be, you know, can, you know, it has to be adjusted, you know, the car, I, my, uh, the winds were so bad that my, my cover on the, the, my classic car was ripped up. You know, that that's my time to do that type of stuff, run around and grab it. Eight o'clock, I go pick the kids up or typically run the podcast, but I've had some things come up that, you know, with Mrs. Mayor that we've had to take care of. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, been a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big issue that, you know, it's a, on a personal note, but we're having to take care of. And, and so that's been my time in the evening at eight o'clock. I pick the kids up, we get mm-hmm. home at eight 30, feed them dinner, finish homework, and then we're in bed and then repeat the process. Somewhere you worked in a trip to Arkansas during all that. Yeah. Well, then, Arkansas for a seminar. Yeah. I took off, uh, Friday night, I got there and I was doing it really for my friend, Troy Corder. He's basically uh, uh, like a younger brother to me. I mean, he's basically uh, Mrs. Merritt. I met him. Uh, he uh, was 
her younger brother, for lack of a better term, uh, her sister and, and Troy had dated in high school, and, and and he's just a good guy. And you know, even though they were high school sweethearts, you know, it never worked out that way. They've they've gone on to marry other individuals. You know, he has a beautiful wife now, Jess, that he has two awesome kids with. Uh, uh, and so, um, but he 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 owns a, a granite company, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's very well to do businessman. Man, you know, thirty two years old, owns his own house, trucks, owns his own business. He does granite, you know. And uh, but you know he played football. He actually trained for a little bit for me when he was out here. Really good athlete, you know, and and, and just uh, always been into lifting weights. Enjoys it. So he bought a phenomenal gym out there, a world gym. It's one of the nicest gyms I've ever been in. Like I walked around. It's two stories. It's like awesome. Yeah. There was a part of me that was a little pained that it's now you know a three hour flight away from me. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I, I did an appearance there just to help him you know do like a, an opening. He's owned it for about a month now, month and a half. Help bring some attention, which kind of it was a good challenge because when I got there, I seen the list of people that had signed up and mm-hmm. several people wanted pictures and autographs, but not a lot of people actually wanted to train mm-hmm. because it's a weightlifting gym. Mm-hmm. But uh, a few people signed up. Do you have any names on there like IP Freely? Yeah. Nothing like that? Well, the people that signed up, I think about two of them had martial arts experience. Oh, okay. Everybody else was just like, you know, I mean, from moms there with their daughters signed up like, oh, it'll be cool. We'll try this out. I'm like... Wow, I don't think I've ever taught a seminar to somebody that this is their absolutely first yeah. day ever stepping on a mat. Boy, this is like I'm going to have my first guitar lesson with Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, that's how it yeah. worked out. So very quickly, I actually brought out some of the old things I used to work on when I worked as a bouncer that I would help the other bouncers with. Uh-huh. Just in case any of these soccer moms want to get a job bouncing at a strip club yeah, in Arkansas. Well, it was just basically uh, my street fighting <laughs> techniques, the, yeah. the, basically the sequence that I go through that doesn't require me to hit somebody. Right. And I always thought that was good to teach the uh, the bouncers because it's never good to bust a guy's face up because mm-hmm. whether you're right or you're wrong, if the police show up and his nose is sticking out of his ear, you look really wrong right now. Yeah. You know I mean? Especially yeah. when you're 300 pounds plus and the guy's probably a 160-pound drunk guy who just didn't know better. He yeah. thought that saying of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas actually meant something. Right, right. And so he always everybody acts like an asshole when they're out of uh-huh. town. And uh, so I, I went through that whole system of how I, you know, take the back, choke people. I taught three chokes, one from the behind, uh, one from a, from a body lock, jiu-jitsu one-on-one that probably people learned the first day, how to do a body lock properly, take them down into the mount. I showed the head and arm choke, and then I showed, the, you know, and each one um, – basically capitalized off the next one i try to do the pull to the back if you block that it leads me to a bear hug if you block that because you pull your hips back it leads me to a snap down to a front headlock a guillotine and a finish there and, I, and by the time i got through you got to learn the principles of a little bit of takedowns a little bit of motion how to you know incapacitate somebody without hitting them which is always a plus on a civil side you know mm-hmm. uh, so yeah so it was actually interesting to sit there and actually by myself have to teach a room full of individuals that a majority of them had never ever yeah wrestled even a day in their life yeah. you know you were running down that schedule earlier and i tell you what when i hear stuff like that now and full disclosure i gotta tell you why all this is running through my mind you're talking about the first half of the day sounds like mine now which is yeah. we both train at syndicate and then i show up at your your striking class at drysdale's and all that because i'm trying to get it cram in as much information as i can before my my fight at yeah, the you end missed of the yesterday year. we did some good leg slips i will be there tomorrow um but uh 
uh, the second half of the day is when I go deal with hookers and you turn your attention toward family. Yes. <laughs> but I, I was, when you're running. See, we're actually on op- opposite ends of the spectrum. See, I'm dealing with young minds and trying to cultivate <laughs> them into a very constructive, uh-huh. uh, you know, fulfilling life that gives yeah. back to society. Well, I guess your girls give back to society. They do. Too. They do. They're but healers. As Chris Rock says. They're therapists. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my kids off yes. the stripper pole. <laughs> yes. Well, as you run through that second half of your day, I, I think about the time that I'm saving not having kids. But I will, Oh, you save a lot of time, sure. money. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you this. So Jennifer was out of town basically the better part of the last week because she went back um, home to visit uh, her, like her best friend, childhood friend or whatever. Well, the childhood friends had a baby. So now she's met a baby. And so now she's like the, she's, she's the godmother, right? Which I told her, I said, listen, this is all fun. And you get a coffee mug that says fairy godmother, whatever. But I say, if those two people meet with a unfortunate demise, we're on the hook here. You understand that, right? And, uh, but anyway, she's not, it's not like, she's not ready to declare that she would like to do that, but I can see the, you know, starting to get the pictures with the baby and everything. It's a rare woman that does not get baby fever. Right, right. Right, but it's more like a, uh, it's more like a, uh, it's 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 not like a baby warning. It's a baby watch. You know what I'm saying? Like conditions are such that it's at least starting to cross the mind. I mean, it's nothing that I would necessarily be opposed to in a certain sense, but. You know, I still think of it in terms of like, like we're we're going to go to Disneyland for my birthday, you know, and we're going to ride everything. And we're not worried about who's standing at the bottom of the ride holding the third um, wheel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Leaving the house is un- it's just gotten somewhat back to normal. But I mean, for the first, you know, 15, last 15 years when oh, I had little 15 children. 15 years. Leaving the house changed. You know, I mean, before someone yeah. says, hey. Let's go run to the, you know, let's go to, you know, the store. Let's let's go run out and grab a pizza. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'll get my keys. At most, you might go, hey, have you seen my cell phone? Mm -hmm. You know, that's about the most looking around and and negotiating, you know, do I want to wear my flip flops or am I actually going to put socks to put shoes on? Mm -hmm. I mean, like these are the decisions I had to make before I had Bella. Mm -hmm. Then once you have children, it's like, you know, if you want to go somewhere, I tell people like, man, you got to give me like a 20 minute heads up. Before I even leave the house, prepping kids, water, you know, you gotta do I have the bottle, the formula, the diapers, the diaper bag? Yeah. Okay, oh shit, there's not wipes in here. You know, the, the car seat, you know, loading it up, a, a change of outfit in case, you know, someone spits up mm-hmm. and now that, you know, all these things that you learn by trial and error, that you're out of the house and something occurs and you're like, shit, I don't have that with me. You know, Walmart and Target are a lifesaver when you're a, a parent because you can run there and, you know, someone forgot their pacifier. Fuck. Walmart. <laughs> Have you ever heard that old Louis C.K. joke where he was talking about he has two daughters and this was like when the daughters were, you know, six and three or whatever. And he's like, you know, the older one I like because I can have conversations with her and stuff like that. He goes, but the, the younger one is really a pain in the ass. And, you know, crowd kind of laughs or whatever. And he goes, no, seriously, he goes, listen, if a group of people wants to leave the house but they can't leave the house because one person in the group will not put their shoes on. That person is a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. 
Ronan can be a little difficult. Yeah. Uh, maybe because now I'm starting not to have the patience as much for it because I'm so used to, you know, Bella's a 15-year-old teenager. Cage is 12 years old. He's becoming a young man. He's a mm-hmm. teenager, you know, in the cusp of being an official teenager. So when I say, hey, we got to go, I, pretty self-explanatory. Ronan is still a nine-year-old, so there's times where I'm like, all right, we're leaving in five minutes. We got five minutes. I give him a heads up, you know? And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, where's Ronan? And I walk upstairs, and he's staring at his iPad and his underwear. I'm like... <laughs> yeah. He's actually wearing less clothing than he yeah, was I'm like, when you issued the announcement. What happened? And yeah. then he starts walking around trying to stay on the iPad and just, you know, like he's looking and he's like reaching out and he thinks he's grabbing. That's when like, that's why I get a little bit less than, than benevolent. Yes. You know, that's where I physically will snatch the iPad out of his hand. Yeah. Like, what the iPad doing? <laughs> well, let's break down a fight, uh, a whole fight card, actually. It's, uh, it's a big weekend for uh, the UFC coming up this weekend and a big weekend for the biggest weekend of their career for a good friend of this show. We're talking about the Texecutioner, James. James Vick, UFC lightweight contender, number 10 ranked in uh, the UFC's lightweight division. He is main eventing the UFC Fight Night Lincoln, Nebraska card. He's taken on Justin Gagey, who uh, himself is ranked number 7. Uh, a guy who came into the UFC, Gagey did, undefeated, uh, having been over in World Series of Fighting and uh, pretty much uh, plowed through all the competition over there. Neither of these fighters, Frank, are uh, known to uh, shoot a lot of takedowns, so we're probably looking at a stand-up affair. Gagey, uh, of course, has, uh, boy, he's, he's made a career on that, just being in firefights. Uh, James Vick, of course, not only the tallest lightweight in the UFC, but one of the taller fighters in the UFC, uh, standing at uh, uh, what? It, where is his uh, height? There, seventy-five inches. Six-three. Six-three. Thank you for converting that. Appreciate that, Mikey. Um, but certainly uh, very tall for one hundred and fifty-five pounds. He's going to have a six-inch reach advantage. And uh, if you want to hear James actually on this story or on this uh, show, this podcast, Phone Boo Fighting, go back a couple of episodes. He Skyped in to talk about this fight. He was on with his training partner, Sadiq Youssef, who's now in the UFC as well by virtue of winning his uh, Tuesday night contender series fight. Another great guy and a listener to the show. Uh, but uh, James, you know, we were talking about the fact that the numbers that jump out to me, Frank, uh, we were talking about this with James. Justin lands an average of eight significant strikes per minute to Vic's four, but this is the big number. Justin absorbs more than 10 significant strikes per minute. I mean, that's that's a guy who gets hit a lot, to state the obvious. Yeah, he does. He doesn't like to move his head. He stays in there, and he throws a lot. He's very active. I mean, he'll sit there, and he'll take a punch if he can keep chopping away at the legs. Uh, he's very tenacious with his combinations and, and, and throws, and he has really the, a very exciting style for a lot of fans to watch. But his defense at times can, can if you're a, a Gagey fan, can leave you a little nervous. He blocks a lot of shots with his yeah. face. Um, he's gritty and he's tough and, and, and he's, he's made it work for him. But uh, I think he could be so much better at times. I think sometimes he's a victim of his own you know, bravado and toughness. Because, I mean, I, I looked it up again because I remember I had this conversation. I forgot who I was speaking to. And they're like, well, you know he's a, an All-American Division One collegiate wrestler, mm-hmm. right? 
and that blew my mind. I was like, he knows how to wrestle? Mm -hmm. They're like, really well. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so, and sure enough, I looked it up. I mean, the guy here, I mean, on Wikipedia, you could see it here as accolades. Uh, in high school, um, he became wrestling at the age of four. I mean, the guy's been wrestling his whole life, mm -hmm. you know, where he was a four-time finalist and a two-time Arizona State champion as a wrestler, so a decent high school wrestler in the finals for, you know, both his freshman and sophomore year and won it his junior and senior year, I'm assuming, even though it doesn't say specifically. Then he wrestled for Northern Colorado, Division I college, and as a junior, he placed seventh at the NCAA tournaments at 157 pounds, the only guy they've ever had actually attain All-American status. I mean, you're always considered a pretty proficient wrestler if you're an All-American on a collegiate level. Mm -hmm. And watching him fight, I had no clue. What would be the challenges of him um, I mean, maybe genetically opposed to Vic, if nothing else, do you think of possibly trying to go back to that? Because in, in 20 fights, there hasn't been a lot of evidence of that. So he's, he's built a, a, you know, a, a pro career on being a slugger. So it would maybe make sense, especially with Vic, who has a boxing background of his own and all of that uh, height and reach advantage of maybe trying to, to wrestle James, but is it is it like riding a bike? Is it just as easy to go back to from your college days? Or well, I mean, think? if he puts work in it in the camp, I mm -hmm. think so. He's already developed those feels and, and sense of uh, those patterns in his brain are already set. Now, but here's the problem: I I don't know how he wrestled because there's different styles of wrestling. Some translate very well over to MMA. Some don't, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, Rollins, right. From Oklahoma who, who fought in MMA, uh, very good wrestler, but his wrestling in college was very defensive. He had mm -hmm. a very good front headlock. <clears throat> so when he would put his hands on guys, beat them up, you know, and when they would shoot on him, he would punish them and score from there. Short offense, they call it in, 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 in wrestling. Well, that style might work extremely well in, in wrestling because, Typically, guys will take shots on you and shoot, whereas if that's your style of wrestling where you're used to counter-wrestling or going off of another guy's shot and punishing him for it, stuffing his face in the mat, hitting corners, you know, ragdolling him with the front headlock and wearing him down, um, well, all of a sudden now you get up to an MMA career and you fight guys that aren't taking shots on you. Mm -hmm. So now your wrestling doesn't translate over, you know, and, and, and that just it, it, here nor there. That's why, like, like Randy Couture was never uh, as far as i remember i don't he never won nationals uh, on a collegiate level uh and so his style of wrestling he was very much orientated towards greco and that's where he actually has most of his accolades mm -hmm. in, in the wrestling world well greco converts over pretty well and the way he applied it to mma and that's why he was such a proficient wrestler in the world of mma because he knew how to wrestle out of the clinch well Fighting in the clinch in MMA is very similar to a Greco-Roman minus the punches. The posture is much more upright, and I think that's why a lot of Greco-Roman guys or guys that are strong in Greco have an easy conversion over. So that whole statement, I don't know how like Gagey wrestled. If he didn't have a good shot, which not everybody does, maybe he's a good counter-wrestler. And that's what got him to that level of being an All-American because everybody would take shots on him and he would snap them down and, and, and wrestle from there. Mm -hmm. Well, 
if that's the case, it's not going to be a very easy thing that if he didn't have a good shot his whole life, never really took head inside singles or didn't have a low single or a double or head out or high crotch or no kind of attack on the legs, well, developing that now, you know, might not be, you know, able to be done or maybe not even his desire to do so. I don't know. Well, and you're also going to be talking about going up against a taller opponent in a sport where knees are legal. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more peril. Well, and Vic is pretty good off his back. Yeah. You know, Vic is long limbed and his submissions and catching things. So, you know, you, he isn't a guy that I would blindly just say, well, just when the opportunity presents itself, change levels and run him over. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, hold on, let's be careful here. If we shoot on him and don't control the takedown, we might end up in a triangle or, you know, end up in a Kimura or a guillotine on the way down, you know, and and now we're in trouble. Those are long, thin arms. I don't really want them wrapped around my neck. Yeah, Vic has uh, three submissions in the UFC. Goes into this fight as a favorite. Uh, James Vic does minus one. 55. I know James would be happy to see that because he's big into the betting. He likes to uh, he likes to give uh, gambling picks uh, in his off time. So anyway, uh, we will be uh, watching him in that main event here uh, this weekend uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. The co-main events uh, featuring a couple of featherweights, uh, uh, former lightweight Michael Johnson, taken on the uh, Team Alpha Male product Andre Feely. Michael Johnson is on a three-fight skid here. Now, he's a guy who lost to Justin Gagey two fights ago, and then he dropped down to 145. So he lost his first at 145, and now this is uh, this is his second fight at uh, featherweight. But uh, a three-fight skid for him. Uh, Feely is uh, going the opposite way. He's on a two-fight win streak, winning three of his last four. All four of his last fights, uh, Andre Feely's, have gone to decision. And prior to his last fight, which was a win over Dennis Bermudez. This is a crazy stat. Feely had alternated, Frank, wins and losses over his entire UFC career dating back to 2013 and spanning nine fights. So his first nine fights in the UFC, win-lose, 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 win-lose. The first time he was on any kind of a streak, good or bad, was basically after his last fight with Dennis Bermudez. I mean, that is the that is the um, epitome of of a hot and cold record. Yeah, especially over that length of time. And just also, too, I'd have to look at his past opponents, uh, mm-hmm. who he's fighting. Uh, that's just the thing about the UFC. You know, again, when you're in one of the top promotions in the world, click on Feely's name up there, and it'll pull up yeah, his uh, record. We- there, Mikey. All the people they fought. Both these guys, by the way, while Mikey's doing that, are pretty evenly matched on paper. The only real numerical advantage you're going to see is that Feely averages almost three takedowns to Johnson's .61, basically. And then he'd expand full history there. So uh, you can look at – I mean, his you know, second fight in the UFC was a loss to Max Holloway. No shame there, obviously. No. Uh, yeah, Rodriguez, he lost to him. Um those were the two biggest names that he lost to. He's got wins over Dennis Bermudez. Um, uh, he's got a win over Hakron Diaz. So, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember watching a Feely fight, so I don't know how to put much behind mm-hmm. it. But, uh, you know, it definitely looks like a fight that, even though it matched up, but just that Johnson's been a steeper competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel just looking at that, 
he should have the experience, you know, advantage. And, you know, and Johnson, I still feel, is a very good fighter. I mean, he has good hands. Sometimes he slaps with his, his left. But when he does throw it straight down the line, he's quick with it, and he has he's fast hands and, uh, you know, a decent all-around fighter. You know, at one point, I thought he was making a pretty good climb there until, you know, the last couple of years. It seems like once he hit the top five-level competition, mm-hmm. it seems like that's where he really started hitting a wall. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's an important fight for both these guys. Uh, your feature bout of the evening, speaking of uh, former guests here on Phone Booth Fighting, Angela Hill, number 14 ranked uh, strawweight, is going to be taking on Courtney Casey. Um, all of Angela Hill's wins in the UFC have come uh, via decision, and all but one of her seven UFC fights have gone to decision. Uh, Casey has eight UFC fights, so just one more than Angela Hill, and she's gone three and five with all but one of those going to decision. So you know what this tells me? This fight's probably going to decision. (laughs) At least it says that on paper. Yeah, Angela Hill, you know, I think she's a pretty technical stand-up fighter uh, as far as kickboxing goes. I've just, you know... um, it's just more common with the women. They don't seem to sit down as much and throw as hard. It's just not as common with the power. Mm-hmm. I think overall, that's actually why, if you look at the stats in the UFC specifically, uh, the punches per you know uh, round and per fight have actually gone up. And I think that's because of the inclusion of women that they typically throw a lot more strikes without mm-hmm. the same effect that happens over in the men's side. Yeah. Uh, both of these fighters have completed two of four takedown attempts in their UFC career, so neither neither lady is uh, shooting for a lot of takedowns. So we're, uh, we're probably going to see a pretty technical battle on the feet, uh, like you just said there, Frank. Um, also on this uh, FS1 main card Saturday night is Jake the Juggernaut Ellenberger taking on Brian Barbarina at 170 pounds. Now, this is this fight has taken place in Ellenberger's backyard. This is the area of the country that he's from. Ellenberger, Frank, is on a three-fight skid, and he's only won two of his last ten dating back to 2013. Uh, Barbarina is coming off a decision loss to Leon Edwards last September. Um both of these fighters average about a 70 to 75% KO rate with Jake averaging two takedowns. But, you know, with Ellenberger, as long as he's been around, you click on his record there, uh, Mikey, thank you. You look at this streak. Now, I mean, I just told you the downside of it, which is the, you know, two of the last 10. But go down to this hot streak that he was on from yeah. the time he beat Mike Pyle uh, at the beginning of 2010. All the way up to uh, when Martin Campman beat him at uh, the middle of 2012. So for a two-year period, he was on, starting with Mike Pyle, one, two, three, four, five, six, a six-fight win streak. And then after Ellenberger, he went on to win two more. So he won eight of nine during that period. And look at the fighters that he beat. Nate Marquardt, Jay Heron, Diego Sanchez, Jake Shields. Uh, Sean Pearson, uh, Eduardo Roca, and uh, John John Howard, and I said Mike Pyle. So I mean, boy, that it seems like a long time ago, but man, that was a hot streak. I mean, he was he was talked about in title contention yeah, around that time. Well there. Yeah, and I, and I, I remember the, I think the last time I really remember watching Jake fight 
was the Jorge Masvidal fight. Remember when he got his foot right. stuck in the cage? That was uh, one of the more. Uh, why are you kind of smirking with that one? You don't remember. You don't remember the controversy that went on in my personal life revolving around that fight and Jorge Masvidal. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, I don't think we've still cleared that up, have we, no, officially? No, we haven't. We've cleared it up through back channels. But, yeah. But w one day when Jorge Masvidal hopefully eventually appears on this uh Well, this I almost show, had him a couple I know. I'm about putting, a year I'm putting ago, it right? on you because you're managed by the same people. Yeah. Right? Well, I had him, and Jorge was supposed to show up. Remember, yeah. he stood us up. At, I do remember were, that. Were we at Planet Hollywood? No, or? we were at some hotel. Yeah, what hotel were we at? Was it the Cosmo? I think it was Cosmopolitan here in Vegas. Man, I didn't have too much. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember going to a hotel. Yes. And waiting to do an interview for him. And we sat there at the Starbucks and right. hung out. And right. just And then, uh, then it was like. We don't know what happened to him. You know, I'll tell you where we ended up. We ended up in James Vick's hotel room. That's right. That's right. Because he was there. Yes. And he, had, he picks up our call every time. So yeah. we're like, hey, we're here. We're in the lobby. We're going to come up with our gear and uh, do a podcast in your room. Did you know, actually, we were able to go ahead and do it again, but I was kind of pissed off. Oh, really? Yeah. You kind of, you gave him, you were cooling him? Well, yeah. Then bit. Abe called me back. He goes, oh, he was busy, this okay. and that, or something happened. Yeah. There was some justification for the stand-up, okay. Okay. and I still don't like being stood up. Right, I understand. So, All right. so uh, my ego took over, which yeah. at times does. <laughs> Yeah. And it was like, oh, we can make it this time. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll let you know again another okay. time. <laughs> well, eventually we will get him on the show. People are probably wondering, you know, what in the hell are these two guys talking about? Let me just say this. There's a really good story behind it. Um, it involves a, a misunderstanding that got way out of control. And uh, when... when uh, I think you got called a racist at one point, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> So, I knew you didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most ridiculous story ever, but it's but it, it also is a comedy of errors. Let me say this: it's not one person's fault because yeah. there was a there was just a lot of anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm I know I'm teasing and I'm not paying off right now, but we need Jorge Masvidal here to really tell the story, yes. so we will get I'll, him on. I'll call Abe again, get Jorge okay. on. All right, and. Once we know we have a confirmed yeah. time that he's going to Skype in, yeah. or maybe next time he's in town, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and you can go ahead and go through the story. Okay. It is a funny one. I remember yeah. when you told me, I was like, as <laughs> 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 you're like, well, I, I, I thought he said this, yeah. and then I said that, and then I didn't understand why he was upset until yeah. I, you had to go back and look, listen to the recording. You're like, I did. oh, shit, that's what he thought I said. Yeah. To, okay. It's like the old Abbott Costello routine of who's on first. Yeah. I mean, when you, yeah. when you really hear the story, it'll be something like that. So anyway, hopefully that's got everybody's interest. Yeah, I remember Abe was like, what the fuck was up with your guy? I'm all... Yeah. What are you talking about? And then when I was talking to you, I was like, and I had to call Abe back. Hey, bro, this is what happened. He's yeah. all, ah, oh, shit. All right, hold on. Let me explain to Jorge real yeah. quick. Was Jorge was like, on a, I think Jorge was ready to get on a plane and come out here. Yeah, it was, and the other problem, too, was it wasn't one-to-one. -one. There were a whole bunch of other people involved. Like, yeah, yeah Abe was involved in, in translating the message and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, well, we will eventually pay off and tell you that story here on uh, Phone Booth Finding. A good reason to subscribe, by the way, if uh, this is your first time to listen. Hit that subscribe button in iTunes. Make sure you don't miss out on the eventuality of the uh, Jorge Masvidal reveal. Uh, but yeah, so so that fight in particular uh, was uh, was a bad one for Ellenberger. And um, you know, I don't know exactly what his plans are. If you know, he's starting to think about 
wrapping it up or not. I love Jake. I, I see him, and he's a real friendly guy. He's got his own podcast, by the way, with uh, uh, John Orlando, Tony Orlando's son. Oh, really? And uh, Yeah, in fact, we talked about doing a swap cast with them because they're in Vegas all the time. So maybe at some point we get them up here to the well, Pixel cool. Studios yeah. or something and do it. Yeah. You know what? I want to talk to um, John Orlando about – tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree really i want to talk to tony orlando about it right. maybe he can eventually set that up do you know the tune i, I only reason i know is I, I, yeah. I got to meet tony orlando oh yeah and then obviously the way everybody was treating him yeah he was somebody of fame oh yeah and a little I, before your time yeah, a little before yeah. my time and then someone goes oh the song the tie of the yellow i'm yeah. like what the fuck does that song? And then yeah. I had to go look it up and go, oh, it was it became a, a war song and yeah. coming back. And then I, so. It's not a war song. It's a song about, pull, pull oh, okay, up a yellow ribbon on uh, YouTube. We're going to. I thought on. it was a song about if you still want me. It is, but it's about a guy getting out of prison. Oh, yeah. shit. Now. I misunderstood that song completely. Right. Then. I thought it was. A guy going off to war, right. and then when, you know when well, I come back, he 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 might have felt like he was in a war uh, over the uh, the period of time that he was in. But but the reason I want to want to pull this up, we're in the musical history session yeah. with Richard Hunter. That's okay. We'll get back to fight talk here in a and second. The very but, naive Frank Mir. <laughs> yeah, as as it goes on phone booth fighting, you never know when a little music talk's going to break out. I I pulled an audible on uh, called an audible on Mikey here, so he's uh, he's doing a little producing over there. So. I, the the lyrics to this song are interesting, and I, I I was thinking about them, and I thought, man, I want to ask Tony Orlando about this when we have him on. So let's play a little. On a side note, yeah, go ahead and pause am it. I am yeah, I at least sorry, in a guys. group of individuals that confuses this song for people coming back from war, or, um, or am I just? I don't know that I've ever heard that, but it makes sense. I, I, I thought that I thought that. during. Maybe something I was reading, it was big during Desert Storm that mm -hmm. people started talking about tie the... I could see, well, because now yellow ribbons are associated with that, like support for the troops. So okay. maybe, I mean, I get why you would say that. But All those, right. you know, a lot of times people aren't really listening to lyrics super closely. I'm and this definitely is, one of those. I'm afflicted with this. Like I can't not, in fact, I'm hyper aware of everything about it the reason the thing that's interesting about this as we we listen to the lyrics now now this is somebody getting out of prison all right so go ahead and uh, play there mikey i don't know if we're going to get a vocal or it's just going to show us the lyrics if it shows us the lyrics i'll read this time okay i'm coming home i let's see i'm coming up done my time now i've got to know what is and isn't mine if you've received my letter telling you i'd soon be free then you'll know just what to do if you still want me, right? Okay. He's going to tell her what to do here. Still want me, right here, okay? All right. Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. It's been three long years. Do you still want me? If I don't see a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree, I'll stay on the bus, forget about us, and put the blame on me. All right? Here in a second, he's going to reference his heart still being in prison, which is, you know, letting you know he's getting out of prison, right? Here's my question or my point about this song. Go ahead and let it play underneath us here. Boy, this was a, a better time, wasn't it? 
when an ex-con who got out of prison is going to have the prison bus just drive by his old lady's house, he's going to see if there's a yellow ribbon on the tree. And if there's not, he, the bus isn't going to stop. He's going to assume the blame for what happened and just keep going. Nowadays, the convict would show up at his old lady's apartment, kick down the door, violate the restraining order, beat the shit out of her new boyfriend, and blame her. Am I right? Yep. Absolutely. It was a better time. <laughs> Thank you, Mikey. You're welcome. We uh, return to... That was a very to, respectful uh, uh, ex-con. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, we return to uh, breaking down the UFC Fight Night Lincoln card. Uh, we got to give a mention to this. This is on uh, the prelims, but now that uh, yeah. we're both uh, team syndicate guys, Frank, uh, Joanne Jojo Calderwood is returning to action, taking on Kalindra Faria. Uh, at uh, the 125-pound weight limit. Faria is, uh, I don't know a lot about her. She's 0-2 in the UFC, but, boy, she's had a lot of fight experience. How about an 18-7-1 overall record? That's a lot of fights to have. Yeah, it is, especially when, I mean, really, the I mean, women's fighting's been around for years now, mm -hmm. but they were later to the game than the men's side of the division. And there just wasn't as many women doing it because financially they didn't have the money behind it. So a lot of girls, you know, weren't training full time. It was very archaic until probably, you know, really, honestly, I think the big blow up, you know, that really helped it out was, you know, um, Ronda Rousey and, you know, Misha Tate, you know, mm -hmm. you know, those battles when they did the, you know, the ultimate fighter and obviously Ronda, you know, winning an SP, you know, with her career, I think blew up the female division where you had more women that started entering, but it got to a point. I mean, I mean, it's not too far back. We have to go that we only started off with one weight class, you right? Know, because there just wasn't enough women to, to have depth behind it. And, and, and honestly, it's a problem we still have. I mean, look at our, our featherweight class with, uh, you know, um, um, Cyborg. We're still kind of pulling, you know, at straws here to get her a, a, an opponent. It mm -hmm. isn't like there's a, you know, a depth of girls, you know, five or six deep in the division where it's like, oh, okay, well, we can see in the next two years, we'll see how the, the, the you know, the field plays out, but we have people for her to fight. Like right now, I, I'm hard pressed to name four featherweights. Right. You know, she's got her next opponent, by the way. More on that in a minute. But uh, yes, to your point, right. uh, absolutely. So the fact that she has, you know, what, 26 fights. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. You know? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Calderwood has lost her last two. She's gone two and two in her past four, but she's going into this fight as a favorite. Calderwood lands uh, six significant strikes per minute to Faria's two, so she's a busier fighter by three times uh, in that department. Um, that was the number that kind of jumped off at me, and um, anyway. We've yeah. got to uh, throw uh, our syndicate uh, support. And JoJo's behind. looking good, you know. Yeah. I, I got to see her in the gym training. I mean, I think her stand-up has always been her strong suit. She's mm -hmm. definitely somebody who has uh, some good hands and kicks, uh, and you know, she's constantly looking to improve on her jujitsu and, and working. And she's quick to take advice. She's humble. She shows mm -hmm. up and trains hard. She's a grinder. I, I never really see her complain too much. I mean, half the time, unless she says hi. She doesn't say much in the gym. She just goes in and does her work, you know. Yeah. And, and I think there's something about that to be said. Someone who's consistent, you know, and, and constantly training.
Well, I mentioned uh, a couple of other uh, quick MMA headlines here. I mentioned that uh, uh, Cyborg has her next opponent. Uh, this was just announced a little while ago that uh, she will be taking on Amanda Nunez in a champion versus champion fight uh, at UFC 232 coming up December 29th here in Las Vegas, the big year-end card that they always do. Cyborg's featherweight belt will be on the line. So Nunez will move up to 145 pounds. And not only, uh, I think, is this an exciting fight, we talked in the past about whether or not it was going to get made or should it be made or how much money should Nunez be paid to do it. But you know what I'm thinking, Frank, is this is such a win-win, particularly for Nunez, because, number one, her title's not on the line. Okay, she goes up to 145 pounds, upset Cyborg, awesome. But let's say she doesn't. Uh, which is probably what odds makers are going to say. She has absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, for as much as you and I talked about how she never got the opportunity to promote herself in the fight against Ronda Rousey because Ronda did a media blackout, so basically Nunez didn't get any any pre-fight shine on her and she was way less of a known commodity – she still hasn't really got, in my opinion, to the casual fan, her big coming out party. No. I think this could do it because Cyborg's great with media. You know there'll be plenty of media and fanfare around it. Cyborg, I think, just because of her utter domination, you know, is a more known name to people. And I think this – I think I think Nunez is going to get in this fight from a media perspective – what she needed to get from the Rousey fight that she was denied. Yeah, Rousey's just such a, you know, so famous and mm-hmm. such a star that her not talking still eclipsed everything. And I mean, and on top of that, you know, the UFC didn't do Amanda any favors. Basically, once Rousey said, I'm not doing this interview, yeah. they basically blocked Amanda from stepping out there and doing an interview. It's like, mm-hmm. well, it's going to look stupid if the challenge, you know, the champ or, you know, Nunez comes out there and is doing all this. It's only going to bring more attention to the fact that, you know, that Ronda had chosen at that point to do a, a media blackout, you know, for yeah. the term that we're using. Uh, so, no, I, this is an awesome fight for Amanda Nunez. She has everything to gain. I mean, she loses and she lost to somebody that, you know, everybody is highly touted and, and very much, you know, knows is a, is a, is a, a war machine and mm-hmm. destroyer of uh, souls in, in, in Chris Cyborg. Uh, she's just, uh, you know, a big, powerful athlete that's well-rounded, you know, g- good stand-up fighter. We've seen her even go beyond just being a physical athlete, seeing her intelligence and her her calm when she fought uh, Holly Holm. I actually was very much impressed with her composure to be able to really pick apart the very elusive and difficult style of stand-up to deal with in Holly Holm. And Cyborg didn't just, you know, throw caution to the wind and try to over-envelop her with power. She sat there with a nice jab and beat her up and picked her apart and and actually outstruck her Mm -hmm. on a technical level. Um, I think actually the one advantage I might though, you know, I think the man of Nunez can hang with her striking wise, obviously powers going to go to a cyborg, but Nunez has power too. Um, I think that she has a good advantage, though, because Nunez, I think, is a very efficient black belt in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how good of a black belt Cyborg is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know she does jiu-jitsu, and um, is she a black belt? I don't know. I think she's a purple belt last time I, I caught You're talking about Cyborg? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's find out exactly. Yeah. But as far as jiu-jitsu accolades, I'm quicker to know that Amanda is a more proficient mm-hmm. submission fighter on the ground. Um 
But the one thing that's going to be interesting in this fight is Amanda should feel good at the beginning of the fight because she's lighter and not going to have to cut weight, right? Mm -hmm. So she should feel good. Now, Cyborg, still cutting to 145 is always not the easiest cut because she's such a big woman, you know? She easily walks around, from what other people tell me, at 170 pounds, yeah. you know what I mean? So she's going to cut down, so she's probably not going to feel as energetic, as good, because as all fighters know, a heavy weight cut does take something out of you. But Amanda Nunez isn't really known. Her cardio at times has been her weak chink mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as far as in fights she's faded because she's so explosive she has a lot of quick twitch fiber she's a sprinter of an athlete her ability to weather on as the fight goes she fades if she fades against girls her own size she's really gonna fade if she gets into go ahead mikey she's a brown belt she's there a brown belt now jiu-jitsu okay so probably when i did hear it yeah. was true at the time she was a purple belt now she's a brown belt Amanda nunez is a black belt in jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. i mean at that level, black, brown, you know, no. but uh, but fighting someone who's big and strong and heavy wears you out. I mean, that's one of the reasons, too, why we have weight classes. Even though a, a smaller, lighter guy in the gym, if we both jump on treadmills, is going to smash me as far as, well, how long can I run for? He's going to outrun me. You know, mm -hmm. we're going to move around. The difference is the minute we start rolling with each other, we start fighting, and I put my hands on him, all of a sudden he gasses out before I do, and it's not because I'm in better shape. It's because he's now having to contend with my size, wearing on him, and that just wears out a smaller opponent. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if, if, if they keep this as a pure striking match, even though Amanda Nunes is a very good black belt in jiu-jitsu, I think that, that will help her out better. You know, I think that – still kind of even where I think that it could be bad for her is if cyborg who's been shown to have some pretty good game plans. If she now becomes a little bit more aggressive with that jab comes behind it and just clinches Amanda forces her against the cage and kind of has that first round or two of a grinding Greco breaking the clinch Muay Thai yeah. plum clinching over unders and just kind of grinds up Amanda. I think that'll spell disaster for Nunez. I think having to deal and contend with a big strong athlete like that and not having cardio be aerobic capacity being maybe your strong suit i can see her fading the, as the fight goes on and not because she's not going to train hard that's just not her genetic strong suit to begin mm -hmm. with and she's facing a monster that is going to fatigue out the best of us well it's an exciting announcement and it's a fight we can definitely look forward to it's been fun talking about it before the fight was made and it's certainly going to be fun talking about it between now and december 29th uh let's talk about a couple of bellator Does headlines here advantage? i think right off the bat cyborg or man is quick oh yeah, yeah. super yeah. quick yeah i would think so cyborg's quick but i don't right. think super quick right yeah, I would think there'd be a speed advantage for Nunez. Yeah. So um, Nunez needs to be fast, yeah. tagger hard, and, and move out of the mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Uh, a couple of Bellator uh, headlines. Frank's got his uh, T-shirt on there of his uh, current employer. Uh, Michael Chandler has re-signed with Bellator. I don't know if you, knew, if you knew that he was a free agent or not, but he was. He said he was looking for a, a big payout and um, don't know the terms of the deal, but he did re-sign with Bellator, and he re-signed with them before he was even out of the um, – uh, ex, you know, exclusivity of uh, Bellator being able to negotiate with him. So uh, I guess they must have paid him a number he liked because he didn't uh -huh. even test the really test the free agency waters. And good for him because, you know, he's one of the guys I for many years. I mean, it's different now in Bellator because they've really upped their game and, and expanded the promotion. But even when the promotion was was 
you know, far lesser accomplished than it is now. Um, Chandler was always one of those guys in my mind that the UFC would take if he were available, you know, the next day. I mean, like Eddie Alvarez was and eventually went to the UFC. And, and, you know, now you can say that with a lot more guys over in Bellator. Back then, you, you, you couldn't have years back. But, you know, Chandler has really been one of the, the real homegrown faces of uh, Bellator. I like the fact that he's, he's staying over there. I think he's still got um, big fights uh, uh, ahead of him over there. He's got a, an important, you know, potential re- uh, title rematch over there and things like that. So, Well, I think this is the time that fighters are looking for contracts. Bellator is going to pay more. Just look at the, 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 the uh, dynamics of the battlefield right now. Yeah. You have the UFC who just, the owners now just paid $4.2 billion to put mm-hmm. it together. They want their money back. Yeah. So that's why they eliminated, I think, what, 20% of the UFC employees mm-hmm. You know, when they first got there within the first six months because they're trying to cut costs. Well, if you're trying to cut costs, you're not necessarily trying to uh, you know, knock it out of the park with big contracts. Yeah. Especially too, where I've kind of noticed that the attitude that the UFC's started to have, the new helm is that, well, you know, we're the UFC, and, and they're right. A lot of guys, I've talked to guys where I'm, I've sat there, I'm like, all right, well, I can get you an ACB, I can get you over Bellator, um, you're gonna get paid X. Well, what about the UFC? I'm like, well, you're gonna get paid less. Yeah, but then I can say I'm in the UFC. There's prestige. There's prestige to it. So I'm like, well, that's why they'll get away with paying you less because Mm -hmm. people would rather go there. Whereas now you're seeing the older athletes such as myself, you know, uh, Michael Chandler, Mm -hmm. guys like, you know, uh, Machida who are sitting there going, hey, being famous is cool and all, but, you know, if you're going to pay me more, I'll go fight for you, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, At the end of the day, we realize that our careers have a finite ending to it. Yeah, I think it's also, too, when you already have enough of a name for yourself that you're not counting on the promotion to build your name. Correct. You know, and so I could see where, you know, Joe Blow, who, you know, maybe have a lot of of tools in his arsenal, but just doesn't have that name, could see where the benefit of being tied to the UFC could could still help him. However... Uh, back to uh, Bellator because they're starting to be able to do this with guys in in ways that they haven't been in years past. I uh, give you the example of one uh, Darian Caldwell who uh, was in action this past weekend. Now he is Bellator's bantamweight champion, but he has set his sights, Frank, on being the promotion's first two-division simultaneous champion. He took a non-title fight at 145 pounds. He defeated uh, Noad Lahat uh, via second-round knockout. Looked really impressive doing it. And I like the, the, the creative path that this guy is uh, taking toward this because what, what he's obviously doing is he seeing, you know, there's just been a couple of examples of this now over in the UFC, like with, you know, with, with Connor uh, and more recently Daniel Cormier, and going, hey, you know what? Even if if people don't know my name on the level of those two guys, they recognize the accomplishment. Like if people are hearing, hey, this has only been done a couple of times where you got simultaneous champions. You know what? I'll go be the simultaneous champion. And then all of a sudden people will know me first and foremost for that. Now he's, he's got to accomplish it, but I, I like that approach because I think a lot of people, you know, would a lot of younger fighters would just be looking at it going, I'm the – I'm the Bantamweight champion. I mean, what else am I going to be worried about other than just defending my title? Well, I think he's already looking past that, realizing what do I need to do to to 
build my name recognition, this is a great way to do it. I agree with you. I mean, a smart way of going about it. And uh, it's definitely the recipe to get people's attention his way. And, and, and going back to what saying about attention, I mean, as long as you're on a network that people are seeing and now with Paramount and, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it provides that platform, um, you know, pay-per-views, I think, are starting to go the way of the past. I think so many people now are able to yeah. – hack them you know they do the different you know uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for the uh, stream yeah they stream it off of different sites mm-hmm. so i think that you know pay-per-views are starting to kind of go the you know the other way and i think a lot of organizations you know ufc's leaning heavily on their fight pass mm-hmm. now bellator signing with the uh, zoom uh, uh the zone that's how they pronounce it yeah the zone mm-hmm. um it, as long as platforms are in people's hands, yeah. that's attention. And that's really an important aspect of it. Yeah. That's why, honestly, like towards the end of my career with the UFC, I was very keen. I told you that. Like, hey, can I fight on a Fox card? Because yeah. I remember when I sat there and I fought Bigfoot Silva. When they came back and told me, like, oh, it was a good Fox card. It was one of our best ever. We had 1.2 million people watching. I'm like going, damn, that's more people that watched me and Brock fight. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. because... People, if they're interested in a fight, you know, handing over $59 compared to just flipping the channel right. on, you're going to get a lot more people that way. And and that might be more immediate cash in my pocket to be on that pay-per-view card. But as far as long-term marketing and branding yourself, in the future, the more people that know who you are, mm-hmm. the more you can tell off into, well, I want to open up a gym once I retire, go into coaching, maybe mm-hmm. commentary, whatever you want to do. I mean, everybody sees it nowadays, the way the 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 the, the, the you know, the landscape of the future is name recognition, especially because of social media, equals directly over to different benefits that allow you to make money. I mean, even what's her name? The the Kardashian girl. Mm-hmm. You know, she came up with a makeup line, but the reason why it's so popular is she leveraged her fame through the Kardashian family made it rec- you know she would go ahead and use instagram use her, her 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 notoriety to bring attention to her brand and that's what i mean i mean think about it that's what brands do all the time if nike wants to you know sponsor a guy it's like well why do you think they're giving him money because yeah. how much money they're going to make off of the attention you're going to bring their products well now all of a sudden you have a name you you have power mm-hmm. you know we're going to try to do something right now uh, that uh, it's a maiden voyage we're about to embark on. Uh, we're we're going to turn this uh, segment over to Porno Mikey, who normally is producing behind the scenes. Uh, we're going to have him present uh, the news of the day or, or headlines, and uh, we're, we're going to see how this goes. Now, uh, I've got high hopes for it. He's going to hit us with some headlines, and then, Frank, you and I are going to react to it. A lot of uh, uh, radio shows and podcasts will typically have an attractive female to do this. Uh, we decided to go 180 the degrees the other direction. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, people like the – what would you be? A, he's a bear. A bear. That's what he is. Boy, Yeah. I'd, you two, the two of you guys, this would be interesting seeing the two of you guys in a in a bear bar because Frank, I mean, some people would say, oh, you know, you, you want the big athletic guy, but in terms of like like amount of hair because they like a very hairy presentation yeah, with the big beard hairy. and everything he's got going on. You guys might be fighting you, over you, the you same got a lot leather of chest daddy. Hair? A good amount, yeah. Ah, see, see, I have there. a pathetic amount of chest yeah. hair. 
Like, I mean, I always thought that would look cool. Like, I've never shaved my chest. Yeah. So anybody watched me fight, that's a non-shaved chest. Yeah. That's just me natural hair. I, I guess the good news is I'm never going to lose the hair on the top of my head. Yeah. Because, you know, they always say, you know, hairy chest, hairy back. Usually the guys will go bald. Yeah. yeah. I ain't going bald anytime. Yeah, I can't even grow I a got, full beard, dude. I have the, the power alleys going after that. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Keep the buzz cut pretty good. Well, like, you here. can grow hair here. Yeah, like, yeah. every time, I mean, the last time I tried growing a beard out yeah. was uh, when I did the... Um, uh, exhibition celebrity fight with Ross Miller, uh -huh. the uh, the former uh, the uh, attorney general yeah. for, for Nevada. When and so I didn't shave for like about a month, and so I took a picture. And one of the people commented, commented, and, and, and Mrs. Miller had to show me. She's all, "See, will you shave it now?" And I looked at it and it said, "Like, did Frank go and join the like Pirates of the Caribbean or some shit? Like, what the? What? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like because you know, I, I guess it's the Spaniard blood or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I can get a mustache uh -huh. and I get this." Uh -huh. But this is just hard to fill in. Yeah, man. I think that if in, you're into hair, you're not into yeah. me, man. We may have to try this sometime, uh, just purely for journalistic purposes. But I would imagine if we went into the the gay leather bar, that maybe at first Frank could turn some heads, but then Mikey would play his ace in the hole and just whip his shirt off, and everybody like oh, they'd forget about you. Really? It'd be like you right know, over to him. Yeah. What's well, funny? My first date with my fiance, mm -hmm. we went to dinner, and she's like, "Oh, do you want to come to, uh, to the line dancing bar with me?" And I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, my friends are going to Yeah, be you agree to anything at that yeah. first day. Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, my friends are going to be there. Like, you're not, you know, and they're gay, all gay guys. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you okay? I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, okay, you're not a big homophobe. I'm like, no, whatever. And so I go there and I sort of like, and I don't actually, I don't know. Like, I'm like, oh, line dancing bar, whatever. There's mm -hmm. the floor. And I go and I see like two guys hugging. I'm like, oh, those guys must be pretty drunk if they're like hanging on each other, <laughs> hugging. <laughs> and then. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. Now one's and blowing the, the other one. And then I'm like, you know, I was talking to Amanda and I'm just looking around and I was like, well, I was like, wow, Amanda's like the only girl in here. Yeah. And then and then I turn around and I look and there's this giant like six foot by eight foot flag uh -huh. and it says N-G-R-A. And I'm like, what's weird? I'm like, no. And I was looking and then it underneath says Nevada, Nevada Gay Rodeo Association. Oh. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is a gay bar. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. was, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's a whole date. scene too. Yeah. They've got like exclusively gay rodeos yeah. and stuff like that. It's really, yeah. yeah, they're yeah. all into that. The line yeah. Well, you know what's funny about that? Whenever I have, uh, you know, guys in the gym will be talking and they'll be, ah, oh, man, you know, you know, the guy that's the most homophobe in the group. I always kind of laugh because do you ever notice it's always the guy I look at him and be like, buddy. You got nothing to worry about. Yeah, nobody's dude. fucking you. <laughs> yeah. oh, you know yeah. how nobody's fucking you now? Yeah. Nobody's really gonna yeah. be fucking you if oh, you try to turn. You gay. think women are picky? Yeah. <laughs> try those motherfuckers. <laughs> like, do you yeah. see how hard they work out at the gym? Yeah. I mean, I look over every time I see the most meticulously manicured guy. Yeah, it's always the gay guy. You know what I mean? Like his eyebrows, his face. They go dressed to the gym better than I go on dates. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. I'm just like you know. I'm like, dude, come on. Your socks aren't even matched. And they want nothing to do with you, buddy. Well, let's see how this goes. I, right. I, if, if, it, if it's not a total disaster, maybe I'll put a little uh, production value. We'll make a theme for him or something next week. But I didn't want to uh, go to any trouble in case it, it falls on its face. But let's see what happens here. So uh, here is uh, Porno Mikey with uh, today's headlines. He's going to give us the news, Frank, and then we'll react. You ready to go? All right, take it away, Porno Mikey. All right, so we'll pick it up with a story that we – 
kind of oh, touched on. Can we take a break here oh, real quick? We'll edit failing into it. already? Yeah. No, not at all. Okay. It's just it's eight o'clock, and I yes. got to make sure Ronan. And I, I I told him that if I wasn't there. Okay. But I, I oh, you're to, picking kids up? You're yeah. not done Ubering? Oh no, my gosh. Okay. But I, I think I got rides from them from the coaches. Oh okay. Cage, I'm not worried about because he has a cell phone. Yes. Ronan doesn't have a cell phone, so okay. I don't want everybody to you know to take off and all of a sudden right. my son's still there. I I just. I know I said it to somebody. Yeah. I need to hear again okay. specifically. You, you have. My you, kid. I'll keep talking while you're doing that. You want to do it that way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is reminding me of a PSA I used to see uh, as a kid, uh, Mike. I don't know if you've ever seen this one or not, but have you ever seen the PSA where the kid is waiting on his dad and mm. and everybody else has been picked up and he hadn't been picked up and he's like, he'll be here soon. I know he'll be here soon. And then uh, and then they cut to like the dad was all drunk and like forgot about picking the kid up or whatever. And then they show the kid like years later and he's drinking himself or something. And the dad's like, well, uh, where did you where did you learn this from? And he's like, I learned it from you. Oh. I learned it from you, Dad. Did they play the Cats in the Cradle right after that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they had the the uh, clearance to play Cats in the Cradle. I think uh, Harry Chapin wanted a little too much money uh, to give him the tune, but uh, yeah, it had everything else. It had everything else. It was its own after school special. Do you guys, did you ever have after school specials? Or are you too young for that? I think I'm a little too young yeah. for that. Back uh, back when I was a kid, there would be these. Um, they were basically dramatic after-school specials. Yeah. Can I stop filibustering, or are you know you're still working? No, I'm just trying to text them. No, keep going. Practice yeah. ends yeah. at eight o'clock ish, yeah. so they might still be practicing. Keep going. I, I got some more material. That's okay. Um, we could go a little bit now. I'm okay, just, but I'm going to be paying attention. Yeah, to my you can phone wait for bit. it to come back in. That's fine. Uh, anyway, I'll tell you about after-school specials okay. another time. Let's uh, get to the news so we don't run out All of right. time. All right, back to your segment here. All Mikey. right. You know, I actually auditioned for a PSA back in the day. Oh in LA. no, it was like. Your kid went to bed, yeah, and then they woke up, and it was somebody else. Like drugs make your kid somebody else. You were gonna be the somebody was, else. Yeah, I was gonna be somebody else. I'm like, well, what's their drug? Like Lou Malnati's pizza. Like, uh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I didn't get it because I saw a couple like real skinny guys. Yeah. I'm like, oh, those guys are gonna get that. Oh, okay. Anyway, so we kind of touched on this when Frank was in Australia and Jesse Jess. Uh, and Jesse were yeah. in here in studio. Jessica Rose Clark, mm-hmm. UFC flyweight, and my coach uh, for Wimp to Warrior. Right. So uh, Andrea Lee, her oh. husband, yeah, her husband, who got some negative attention for his Nazi tattoos. <sighs> this is a crazy oh, yeah. story, Frank. Uh, yeah, I remember this one. Yeah. So there's been an official police report been has been filed against him for. Uh, basically domestic violence and i think i can't let me see i got it on my screen but there's like false imprisonment and something else in there there's just a police report nothing from her yet um the only statement is from i guess that they got a roommate who's also a fighter who trains with her who's like her best friend uh pretty crazy basically they were watching the fights and then things by the way the 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 fights they were watching frank apparently what the initial argument was was over whether or not uh mighty mouse got robbed yeah in his uh split decision loss to henry cejudo so i mean you and i mad about that yeah well apparently not as mad as this scene go ahead mikey yeah so apparently they start yelling um Andrea Lee, her husband and her husband's dad are there and this roommate. And they start yelling, fighting. The roommate comes in to see what's going on. Andrea Lee runs to her daughter's room, and the husband is trying to burn a cigarette on her arm. And so the roommate stops, comes in, and the and the husband's dad, who's like 80 years old or something like that, <sighs> breaks it up. 
and this is like 11 o'clock at night. And then the guy's woken back up at 4.30, more yelling. The roommate. The roommate Uh is woken back up, more yelling and screaming and everything. At that point, they finally – he finally called the cops and the, and the report was filed. Basically, this has been going on their entire relationship over three years. The roommate just first finally is now seeing it, the, her friend. And, yeah, it's been going on. And apparently a thing that ties back to what we were talking about, people in the UFC and other people have offered this guy free cover-ups yeah. for his Nazi tattoo, and, yeah. he, and he turned it down. And there's also, he, had, I guess, has a giant one on his shoulder, another swastika, too. You know it's bad when somebody draws attention to your Nazi swastika tattoo, and you have to say which one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and he took off, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even know if they found him yet or not. I don't think so. Nothing. It's pretty vague. She has never hasn't come out with anything. All that pretty all that we have is the police is the police report, which just says false imprisonment, domestic abuse, battery are the two charges that have been filed against him. And then this guy's statement, the roommate's statement. I read this entire statement, by the way, Frank, and it's yeah. it's lengthy. I mean, we, we don't even have time to read the whole thing. It's, right. it's online if anybody wants to see it. But another really bizarre thing about the statement was the roommate said that one of the – at one point during the night, one of the bizarre things he walked in on was that he walks in on her pulling up her pants – and he's trying to take pictures of her with her pants down so that she can text these pictures to some guy so that he can then claim that she was cheating on him. Like he's trying to fabricate some kind of evidence of her infidelity, I guess in his neo-Nazi brain, thinking that that's going to play well with a jury or a cop that shows up, that, hey, look, I I had to be trying to beat her up because she's sending naked pictures to some guy. I mean, (laughs) the guy seems... I don't think this guy's very... I don't think these people are very smart. No. I mean, and and, and that goes back... (laughs) (laughs) You like that? You think I'm going out on a limb there? You're like, ah, this guy doesn't strike me as the sharpest, you know, uh, knife in the drawer, you know. Well, and, and this goes back to the way they handle the whole Nazi tattoo Instagram controversy. Yeah. Because, you know, she was initially out of the gate saying, oh, get over yourselves, people. I think she called everyone sensitive-ass mofos or something right. for uh, raising concern. I mean, at every turn, it's just you look at uh, people like that and you're just like, wow, you know. Right. We're okay, good. My son is taken care All of. All right, excellent. But, you know, it's, I mean, we. I think we were talking about that, Frank, when you got back with the fallout of that story, Just and just in general of, look, okay, everybody's job isn't to be the smartest person in the room, but make sure, it's like having a designated driver. I mean, let's yeah. at least just make sure somebody is the voice of reason to go, this is a bad idea, that's a bad idea. I mean, this, I, I don't know what kind of, 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 den of iniquity they got going down there at louisiana wherever this is but it sounds like there's just a house full of chaos down yeah. there yeah. well just the, the parents involved in this yeah and, just the amount of people living well, in when the there's house. a kid there's, and they, they and got their, a kid their too. daughter yeah yeah there's kid involved that always weirds me out like <sighs> the, just the amount of people in the house if you're a married couple it seems weird yes and then and a man and i went through that um her dad lived with us he listens to the show hi jeff mm-hmm. um for a little bit but it's just if you have like the dad, the mom, the grandma, you know, the neighbor, the you know, roommate, it's just weird for a married couple to have a roommate. I feel like, mm. and it's just it just it's just not a good 
yeah, sign if you got the like roommate a, yeah. definitely. Well, especially um, with kids. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're to that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've been there where I've helped friends out right. in between mm-hmm. places, but I don't think one's ever stayed at my house more than the thirty days of. You know, yeah. you know, one house sold or apartment, and then they're mm-hmm. moving into another, yeah. and they didn't want to pay the overlapping, which I get that. I get you know, that. like, you know, I don't want to pay rent at one place and have to yeah. pay the rent to the new place mm-hmm. or the mortgage on a new place before I move out. And, right. you know, so I, I've been there and, on a couple of occasions. And by the way, uh, we weren't, I don't think initially with the tattoo controversy, we were sure why the guy went to prison. I, I think he's he, killed somebody. Oh, yeah. He had, um, let me go back in there. Yeah, it was a uh, negligent negligent death with a firearm, and he did nine years, I think. Let me go back. Hold on. No. Yeah, not a just not a. That's kind of weird. Like if it's negligent, like just basically you're using a firearm and you used it improperly, but oh, not it, the intent to kill somebody. It's not murder. It was. Right? Uh, it was. I. It was in 2009 when it happened. That's where I got the nine from. Okay. So in 2009, the husband was found guilty and convicted of negligent homicide with a firearm and spent time behind bars. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that being a lot of time because that's basically uh, would be like a a Cheney situation. Oh, right. Except for the guy dies. Yeah. Yeah. Because of your negligence with the firearm, Mm -hmm. someone dies. Mm -hmm. Well, you're still held responsible, but obviously- You never intended to kill somebody. So, they can show that it was just you being a dumbass. So the guy mm-hmm. was practicing his quick draw. I'll still and go ahead and I'll still go know. ahead and call it a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, what, what's uh, what's next, Mikey? All right, this one I, I think uh, Richard's gonna like. We got uh, Paul Manafort trial verdict came in. Oh yeah. Uh, so here we go. Trump's campaign chairman was up for eighteen felony accounts, uh, and to put it in MMA terms, he is O. Eight, and I guess ten no contests because he <laughs> yeah, right right. So he <laughs> they up, were the jury was hung on ten was, of the eighteen counts. Jury was hung for yeah. ten of the eighteen accounts. Mm-hmm. Found guilty on five on eight counts. Mm-hmm. Five of tax tax fraud, two of bank fraud, one count failure to disclose a bank account. Um, and that's pretty much the long and short of it. Most of it was I think a lot of it was the Stormy Daniels thing, and he specifically I, said that Trump. Actually, no. You're oh, conflating Cohen oh, the lawyer. and Manafort. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. but we'll get to that in a yeah. second. But first on, on Manafort's Manafort. the funds guy, right? Manafort's the... Uh, his, he was his, over in Russia doing all the different stuff. Yeah. And he didn't claim the money that he and, got. For, and his stuff goes back like longer than... It, some of it goes back longer than a decade. But he definitely, uh, you know, was... And the thing about these federal cases is, you know, the politics aside, this is, a, this is number stuff. I mean, the, the IRS shows up and you know they they usually have the goods on you You either paid your taxes you didn't you either uh were straight with uh your bank about getting a loan or you weren't and that's where uh that i think the heaviest stuff that hit him was the bank fraud Mm. because what he was doing was he was going in and fabricating assets to get loans from a bank that weren't really there he was actually in money trouble and he's going in fabricating documents that say he's got more money than he does that's very bad if you do that um but the thing about him and and you know i don't know if you remember this frank because it goes back a couple of years it actually goes back to trump's inauguration but uh and i'm going to pull the clip for when i hit the trifecta and i'm completely right about this to play but i Told, I said way back when it was actually around the time of why Michael. Why he wouldn't release his? Uh, well, the tax returns, tax yes. Returns. But what I was going to say is that with Flynn, I said you know between Flynn and uh, sorry guys between Flynn and uh, 
and Manafort. I said, and I, I didn't, and now I'll add Roger Stone to that list. I wasn't really thinking about him at the time, but I said, some of these guys may be going to prison. Well, I'm right on Manafort, and Flynn's already pled guilty. And the, the thing that happened, and I, we have— Flynn's we, working with federal. Yeah. He's taking right, a deal. He's taking a deal. Yeah, we have conservative listeners to this podcast that agree with me on this point. Uh, I'll name check Dave Ellis. Dave Ellis is one guy uh, that I, I talk to sometimes on Twitter. He's a conservative guy, but he and I agree on one this this that keep in mind nobody was giving Trump a chance to win, right? I mean, up until he got the nomination, it was just thought of like this, just even within the Republican Party. So nobody of the Republican establishment was jumping on board with him. They were all supporting other candidates, which means that Pickens were slim in terms of the people who would support Trump. So what he ended up getting were these political outliers, these people like Paul Manafort, like Roger Stone, who may have had decades and decades ago legitimate uh, associations with uh, you know the Nixon administration or the Reagan administration. But since then, they had become lobbyists for like really bad people, like really bad third world dictators. So they were kind of shunned. You know, they were just kind of on the outskirts. And then you also had somebody like uh, uh, Michael Flynn, who had a very decorated military background, but had then since gone off the deep end with the Alex Jones info wars, conspiracy theory kind of stuff. So that was all the people that you could get. And they were with Trump when Trump needed people. He needed, you know, great. Flynn's a general. Cool. Get him with me. You know, I want that that look. Oh, Manafort's got this resume of these people he's worked with. Great. That's my campaign chairman. But the problem is Trump wins against all odds. And now these people who were these persona non grata political outliers, guess what? Now they're in the West Wing. Now, you know, Steve Bannon, you know, now they're they're all in there with him. And so all their baggage comes with them as well. I mean, you know, to, to draw an MMA analogy, we know people like that that are still kind of on the, the fringe of MMA, but they're coaches that you know, maybe they screwed somebody over, they've got a checkered criminal past or whatever, but they were around enough that people know their names, but at the same time, you don't want to put pin your career hopes on somebody like that. But if you don't, if nobody gives you a shot of being any kind of MMA fight, if that's the only coach that's going to give you any attention, maybe you do partner up with him and maybe you make yeah. it to the big show, but all of a sudden, guess what? This is bad because next yeah. thing you know, you got neo-Nazi tattoo guy right. uh, coaching you. People and start <laughs> digging the skeletons out of the closet. <laughs> right, or whatever it is. So, so really, I mean, apolitically looking at this stuff, this is bad. And it's that's, the, that's where it, it came from. And that's why we're here now. Now, the other part of that, I assume you were going with, was Michael Cohen, which was happening at exactly the same time. Right. Well, on, a, on a side note, do you think it's a good thing in a way for Trump? This is what I thought about when I was reading yeah. uh, earlier. The fact that he doesn't want to disclose his back his tax, his income mm -hmm. taxes, probably means that he put everything on paper, that he's smarter than that, that than to try to have things hidden. Wouldn't that mean, like, is let's say that he did hide things as far as income coming from, you know. Are we talking about Trump now? Yeah, Trump. Okay. He probably would have been less against sharing his, his tax returns mm -hmm. because he hid all those things. Mm -hmm. If he was able to hide it, he's like, well, you can look at it. 
I've already shuffled this around the Russian money or wherever that, you know, that mm-hmm. we're, we're supposing might end up being there. I didn't leave any traces to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe he went ahead and put it there. And so there are traces there, and that's why he never wanted to release it. But then, even though it looks bad, mm-hmm. it's not illegal. Yeah, yeah. probably you know so. I mean? I, I mean, he could take I, money I from you. anybody yeah. as long as you, you claim it. Well, yeah, these guys gave me money, and there I, it is. I get yeah. you. Yes, I have always believed that the problem with those tax returns is that there's a lot of Russian money in them. Right. And, and, and the problem right. is with Manafort is he's he lied about where the, you know, he denied yes. the money, the paper trail, and right. hit things, didn't disclose, you know, right. bank accounts. But back to the Trump tax returns, and of course it's all speculation because we can't see them. If there is Russian money in there, albeit legitimate, I mean, you know, you you worked for a Russian promotion. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that money's going to be there. It's not that in and of itself that's illegal. However, if there is anything to uh, Trump, we'll we'll find all this out as it plays out. Yeah, any kind of whether it's collusion or even collusion. just obstruction of justice, it could be that it, that coupled with the money coming in is a bad look. And maybe when you're running for president, again, I'm going to speculate for a second, but maybe when you're running for president, and especially maybe when you realize, holy shit, I think I'm about to get this nomination, maybe you look at things and go, you know, I can see how somebody's going to take A and look at B and put the two and two together and go, yeah, this is, I don't want this out there. Just like, and this will lead us into our next story, just like he doesn't want the the porn star uh, payoffs out there. Is that illegal? I mean, in and of itself, no, now now it will be if he's found to have violated campaign finance laws. But but just in terms of if if all you're doing is paying off a porn star not to tell the world that you fucked him, um, at that point maybe you're just doing it so your wife doesn't know. But if you if you do that and then this comes out anyway, now all of a sudden you're really kind of in a ringer because it looks like you were doing it on the the eve of an election to keep damaging information from coming out. Now that gets us to Michael Cohen. And is that illegal? Yes. That's a camp. Now, now here will be the debate. The debate will be, is it a violation of campaign finance law? And the, the example. So if he used his personal money, he's mm-hmm. fine though, right? He didn't break any laws. Not necessarily. He's still so breaking here's, laws. Here's, See, that's what I understand. You right. can't pay someone to keep their mouth shut. I mean. If, okay. So here it is. If you, um, if you paid for it out of your campaign and you didn't declare it, that's a very black and white issue. Right, because campaign right. spending has to be yeah, very everything's got to be reported. Okay. If you paid for it yourself, if you can plausibly assert that that was not meant to be a campaign contribution, then you're okay. But if what you're doing was really when when it's it's looked at legally, if if it's determined that what you were doing was essentially making an in-kind contribution to your campaign to pay someone off, then that could be considered a campaign contribution. So, for example, like if— It seems um, like it'd be easier to work this out. I just—if I was Trump, be like, look, Stormy Daniels going to come out and tell everybody I banged Mm -hmm. her. Fuck the election. I have a wife. Mm -hmm. I pay her to fucking keep her mouth shut. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like, that no, that that yeah, and then then you're clear. But but that's also because you're 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 owning up to it. Now the other thing is too, and and that I think at that point blows a case. I don't think you well, would have any case I, to be made. I could but, be Trump again. I'm going to go ahead and because it looked bad in the situation and the things she's mm-hmm. going to say, 
is going to make my wife upset at me and mm-hmm. I don't want to divorce her. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and told her to keep her mouth shut. It was cheaper and people mm-hmm. do that all the time. Mm-hmm. They settle out of court. You know, mm-hmm. someone comes up with allegations. You're like, look, I don't want to get strung through the mu- Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like some well, people still hang on that, that, well, he, he wasn't proven guilty yeah. in court. Well, like he settled outside of court. And I do realize that there are innocent people that settle out of court because mm-hmm. they sit there and go, look, I have the money. Here's 50 grand. I don't want to deal with the shit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, it, it looks bad enough that I don't want to deal with it, even though I know I'm innocent. I didn't do it. I, I don't want to put my family yeah. through these proceedings. 50 grand to me is nothing. Boom, there you go. Or, you know, 130,000 to Trump. He's like, it's pocket change. I fucking have lost that on a fucking golf course. And, you know? Boom. And, and, or a casino. And all that is fine until you're running for office and you're subject to campaign finance laws. And I would actually... Uh, so again, the only mm-hmm. stipulation is that he didn't use campaign money, right? So uh, here's here's the best kind of recent example to look at this. John Edwards. Okay. So remember John Edwards... Um, did he pay for the abortion or something? Or? No, they had the kid. She had, well, a, kid. had a kid. Yeah, but, but he basically and had he a... hired the, the husband, didn't he? Uh, no, no, no. You're thinking that that was a Nevada controversy with the governor, the oh, former shit. governor. So here's what happened with John Edwards. <laughs> I'm messing up yeah. my scumbags. Hey, trust me, there's a lot, to, a lot of them to keep track <laughs> of in, uh, in politics. So, so John Edwards was, was running in the uh, 2008 primary with Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, right? Basically, they're the three top candidates for the Democratic nomination. Um, Edwards is having an affair with somebody that he's got on his campaign payroll. She has their kid out of wedlock. He's going to try to cover all this up. What he does is he goes to a wealthy campaign donor, some this rich old lady that was known to give a lot of money to his campaign. And they say to the woman, hey, pay, we need money to, and I think they didn't say to keep her quiet. It was like, we need to hire her as a videographer you know, for the campaign. And of course, this is all just a way to funnel money, right? So they get it. So it's not him. It's not John Edwards putting money into it. Okay. You know, it'd be kind of like, no, it's I mean, not, I get it. I it's get not it. Frank Muir doing it. It's phone booth fighting doing it. You know, you're basically trying to be one layer removed from it. Now, did Trump use campaign money? Does we pay- don't know. So here's- but I mean, I'm thinking the guy is so fucking rich and has money from so many different areas. I mean, and not that I'm fucking bagging on... Uh, Malina or Melania? Melania. But I'm pretty sure she doesn't know all the fucking workings of his financial uh-huh. side. One of his companies could have just fucking wrote the check, and it's not like she's going to sit there and come out, you know, and go, hey, I just checked the bank account, honey. Yeah. Who the fuck is uh, Stormy, and why did you give her 130 grand? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean. But, but that, if he did that, that's going to be a problem, and here's why. Because. Why is if, that a problem? I'll tell you, because if you set up a shell corporate, see, they're thinking of all this stuff. So it's kind of like there with the whole idea of campaign finance and believe me across the board I think it needs to be way tougher than it is and I'm talking anybody that runs for office. I think campaign finance reform is something that's desperately needed and I think both sides of the political aisle fight it because there's so many people that are dirty and learn to manipulate the system. But the idea behind it is that they know it's a cat and mouse game and they're trying to stay one step ahead of you. So if you go, "Oh no, no, that uh you know, this corporation uh, paid money out, but it was set up as a shell corporation, and apparently the only thing the shell corporation has ever done is pay off the porn star, which we know is what happened here. Right. That's that's a problem because they're Why looking at it because they're looking at it going, I see what you were doing. Like you you set up a shell corporation, you were trying to hide that it's intent. But he could say I was trying to hide it from my wife. 
Yes, but what they're going to say is that would be fine if you weren't running for president. But because you were running for president, we see a motivation here to try to keep this information from the general public. But why would the general public need to know whether you cheat on your wife or because not? Because they could States? look at it. And here's and, and this is not black and white. I'm saying I mean, that's this like is, whether you're gay or not. I okay. can give a shit less. But some you know people I mean? like that's your personal life. Yes, but what God you pray mm-hmm. to, who you sleep with at night, I think is your own fucking private business. But some people don't see it that way. And, so, and but it, is that a law or is it just no, ethics? No, it's well, it's, or is it just like it's here's people the, feel like they're privy it's to an that interpretation knowledge. of the law. Interpretation. Okay, so let me give you an example on the other side. Okay, if we had never found, let's say we'd never found out about Monica Lewinsky, right? Let's okay. say that that or we didn't find out about her until after Bill Clinton was reelected. Let's say that what happened was um, he paid her off, right? Just paid off a big chunk of money. He gets and it was about to come out right before the reelection. He pays her a big chunk of money. We never hear about it, and then he gets reelected, and then somehow at some point we hear about it. You could definitely make an argument that that was a violation of campaign finance law. Now, he could be sitting there going, no, this was just I just don't want my wife to know. And they could go, yeah, that's true for any dude on the street. But you had a whole nother motivation. We don't care about that part, but you had a whole nother motivation because if that information had come out, realistically speaking, a segment of the voting population might have decided to vote against you because of that. And it's not always going to be a sexual thing. Somebody, the, the reason they have this law is because it, one day it, one candidate might have a sexual thing, but okay, the other so, thing so, might be a business thing that they so want to cover up. if you use money to hide anything that could be negative towards your campaign, that falls under the campaign. That's right. Yes, campaign finance law. Because imagine like like I'm actually really underwater. So whether you use your money or Mm -hmm. not from the campaign, you use your own personal dollar, but you use it with that intent. Think of it like this. Well, fuck, I mean – but but let people me, hide shit all the time. But that's okay. But here's and, and listen. This gets back to my case about this whole idea of how great of an idea it is with somebody with no political experience to run for office. This is exactly how they get fucked because somebody who's had the experience of running for uh, uh, you know state legislature or you know uh, all the way up to a congressman or something like that, they would know better than this stuff. Okay, I I firmly believe that if if this actually all ends up blowing up on Trump, he's going to be sitting there going, what do you mean I couldn't do this? Or what do you mean I couldn't do that? That's how we did it at Trump Tower. We did that for decades. What do you mean you can't? And and the answer is always going to be, Mr. President, yes, but that was before you ran for public office. So just let me give you an example. Let's imagine- $130,000 to fucking Trump. Why didn't he just give her fucking cash? Well, he, he, he talked about that actually on the Michael Cohen tape. And Cohen said, the, the tape that Cohen leaked, and Cohen said, well, no, we need to check because we, we need paper trail of it. Why do we need a fucking paper trail? Mm-hmm. Well, see, Why but, would we okay. want a fucking paper trail but, if I'm doing something that's illegal? This is the problem, is that you're, you've got two people trying to figure out how to do something that you know we don't want out there. That's, that's the original sin, is getting involved in all this, and there not being somebody in the room to go, hey guys, we're, vi- <laughs> we're about to violate a campaign finance law. Everybody stop, and let's do this the right way. I want to get this example out, though, because we put a lot of focus on like infidelity Here's another way that it 
would work and the, why this law exists. Imagine that uh, I'm running for office, but I'm underwater with my business, right? Like I'm running as Joe Businessman, but if you really saw my books, you'd be like, this guy, didn't, he's totally run his business into the ground. So I do a little uh, uh, financial finagling. When I get caught and I get accused of violating a campaign finance law, I say, oh no, the only reason I was doing that is because my wife thinks I'm a really good businessman and I didn't want her to find out that I'd actually put us in financial peril. See what I mean? You could make that same argument like, oh, no, no, I just didn't want to cause trouble in my marriage. Again, if you're Joe Blow, they're going to be like, yeah, that makes sense. But seeing as how you're the the Republican nominee for president, we're looking at it differently because you've got a whole other uh, motivation there. Did we even explain what happened with Michael Cohen? Well, there's not not a whole lot. He just yeah. he pled guilty to charges including campaign finance fraud stemming from hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels. So we basically right. went over it during the whole. Here's the key about and then, that one. Uh, as part of his plea agreement, he cannot challenge the sentence for 46 mm-hmm. to 63 months. Here's the key about that one. When he went to court and and pled guilty, which I, is probably going to be three years, five years, something like that, prison. When he pled guilty, he said in front of the judge under oath that he violated campaign finance laws and that he did it at the direction and with the cooperation of a candidate for federal office. And that's Donald Trump that he's talking about. So this is the first time that the president has been implicated in the commission of a crime because Cohen basically said under oath he did it. I did it with in conjunction with him and at his direction. So he was a Name conspirator. Him. Yeah, and and Trump. Now you know. I meant to ask you because when I was in the court earlier today, I meant to ask Dan. He's an mm-hmm. attorney. I'm like, hey, what do you think about um, Giuliani's? The truth is not the truth. Yeah, that's bad. That was almost the most moronic statement of an intelligent man. I mean, Giuliani's a smart guy. I mean. I, I'm, I don't think that's going out on a limb there to say the guy is yeah. a pretty bright individual. That was like, I'm like, what either what, what? What I think is happening with Giuliani now, because yes, I mean, he's he's not a not a dummy, but he's not really being retained to be Donald Trump's lawyer. I mean, the the guys like Emmett Flood that are Trump's real lawyers behind the scenes. Those are the, the lawyers doing the lawyering. Giuliani is a guy with a lawyer's license who's really been employed to go be the PR guy because he's going on television on the outlets that Trump won't and make these arguments. But the problem is, as this stuff moves and shifts, I mean, the first thing you need to do with your lawyer is be honest with them. I mean, you did it. Tell them you did it. You know, tell them whatever they need to know to defend you. The, The thought process behind what's happening right now with Trump is that when he had his original legal team, he told them, look, I'm not hiding anything. There's nothing to hide. I want to get this thing over with as quick as possible. So um, uh, so John Dowd and Ty Cobb, who were his original attorneys, said, oh, well, you know what? We'll just cooperate with the Mueller investigation because our client just told us there's nothing to this. So the easiest – and he wants it over with as soon as possible. So the easiest way to get it over with is to just be full-on cooperating with them. Well, they – were full on cooperating with him. And now the concern is, wait a second, maybe he wasn't completely straight about this. I mean, it still remains to be seen whether he committed any crime, but he may not have been completely forthcoming with his attorneys saying, look, there's this, there's that. It could look really bad. There's these payouts. There's maybe some Russian money, whatever it is, remains to be seen. But um, 
Definitely a new chapter in that with the Cohen plea, that was the first time uh, Trump was was mentioned. All right, what else we got here, Mikey? A few more minutes. Yeah, well, uh, we will go to, we'll keep it on theme, payoffs. The, where is it at? One of the first, yeah, here we go. One of the very first uh, Weinstein mm. ladies who came out. Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. accusers, yes. One of, the, one of the leaders of the Me Too movement just paid off a young man who claims she had an affair with him. When he was 17, she was 37. You hear about this? Now, this no. is her Asia Argentino. Yeah. Is that her name? Asia Argentino. She, she is the, she was the girlfriend of Anthony Bourdain. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, right up until the time that he committed mm-hmm. suicide. Here's a picture of her. Yeah. Um, she has accused Harvey Weinstein of sexually assaulting her. Well, she, now, now I guess she is denying, she's not denying the payoff. Because, right. but she's denying that any affair ever actually took place with this kid. What she's saying is, is that uh, the kid started wanting money, and Bourdain, before he committed suicide, personally facilitated the payout of what was it, three hundred eighty thousand dollars, to basically get him quiet. Now there's right. conflicting evidence to that, some text mm-hmm. messages, things like that. But obviously, tough for. The Me Too movement, not that if that's what happened with uh, Harvey Weinstein, that that I mean, that's its own separate crime and shouldn't diminish that. But especially if she's knowingly engaging in this payout at the same time that the accusations are being made, it's mm-hmm. bad timing. Yeah. And apparently they kind of had like a mother son type relationship because there they are. He played her son in a movie in 04. Mm. And then they have a pretty like a long social media history. Which yeah. kind of makes it a little weirder because it's waiting for my son. Uh, and yeah. there's other stuff, you know. Right. And then I guess there's a photo of them that that is probably they're in bed together. Yeah. Doesn't show like it's like a. Some, yeah. It's presumed to be kind of a post-sex selfie. Yeah. I think they, they got taken down. Right. Because they read the kids' uh, social media kind of wiped almost all of his he deleted almost yeah. all of his posts and everything well one should not detract from, and this is my opinion one should not detract from the other i mean this doesn't give harvey weinstein a break right. by any means but at the same time i would say that if you're going to be a voice for especially when there's more than just that her involved there's mm-hmm. an entire movement on the line you would at least want to think about being candid about something like this, even if you deny any wrongdoing, just to be completely transparent that it's out there, because obviously if somebody finds something like this and they're, they have any reason to want to defend Harvey sorry, Weinstein sorry, or another accuser. Yeah. What's her name again? Asia. A, go, okay, just Asia Argent, what's Argenta? Uh, yeah, Argento. Oh, Asia Argento. Yeah. And the, the terms of the non-disclosure are weird. He could still say what happened Mm -hmm. but he just cannot ever sue her again for any more money and there's like social media stick statements in there Mm uh tell people claims against you uh cannot sue nor can he post a photo of the two of you Mm -hmm. so it's in the nda that he cannot post any pictures of the two of them okay so that's kind of weird that he can still i've never heard of like a, a post 
a social media thing in India. Yeah, it's kind of a new thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Groundbreaking uh, payoff. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of the. uh, Remember that old racist owner of the? uh, Was it the Clippers? Donald Sterling. Oh yeah, remember that he had yeah. the he had the the yeah, three can, decades yeah. younger than him Asian girlfriend, and he was mad because she was going around and banging all the the the, the black dudes. <laughs> yeah, and he, and but what he didn't want was he he wasn't mad she was doing it. He just didn't want her to post it yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. He was very fixated on that Instagram yeah. uh, 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 thing. All right, how about one more? You want to do one? One more? more? Yeah, I want I want to do this one. I did. Yeah, uh, last season on Tough, uh, Bryce Mitchell. Oh, God. Yeah, he was a. He, I think he won his fight on the Ultimate Fighter card. Wait, was this Ultimate Fighter? Or was it Tuesday Night Contender Series? I think it was Ultimate Fighter because I okay. remember. I remember this guy. He was okay. a hillbilly guy, and he like made a bow, like a bow and arrow, out of oh, just stuff he found in the backyard of. Uh, you, oh Jesus! I read ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah I know. I'll, I'll oh. go ahead and read it. Me too. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, and, shit. While while Frank and I pass out here, <laughs> you take the helm, Mikey. This uh, is your segment. Yeah, take the go. wheel. So I was gonna train today, but I ripped my nutsack in half. I'm about to get stitched up. I was holding the board over my head with a drill in my pants. I was sizing up the board, and drill went off and tangled my nuts up in it. I dropped the board and reversed the drill and untangled my nuts sack, but they was ripped in half. I seriously, I'm serious too, LOL. I obviously can't post the pick, but when my nuts are sealed back up, I'm going to come and train again. I think a high kick would rip them, haha. And if I hear any shitty puns about how this whole thing is nutty or screwed up, I ain't talking to you for about a month. If you're going to drop a pun to make fun of me, at least put some thought into it. So, all right. First of all, they sell little clips that you put on your drill. Yeah. And you can clip it to your belt. They're about $3. Mm. So I'm sure he'll get a bunch Worth of those. Investment. A bunch of those Maybe he get an mail. endorsement at this yeah. point. <laughs> uh, DeWalt, drill clips are probably going to be on his next fight banner. <laughs> or wholesale. Um, my first thought is hell of an excuse. I'm going to save this one uh, for the next time that I sleep through my alarm. Don't show up at train. Let me yeah. tell you something. Let me tell you something about uh, Jesse Jess, Jessica Rose Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed. Uh, we, we train every morning at uh, 7 a.m. at Syndicate. I missed a training session. I had a text from her at 7:10 a.m. Where are you? Where are you at? Really? What that text oh, wow. said, yeah. So, so uh, she's on top of it, and hopefully she hadn't heard about this story. Because if I miss another one, I'm going to save this. Well, I, I drilled my nutsack in half. Be my response. But pretty calm under pressure to to reverse the, the drill, to drop the board, and then while it's tangled in your nutsack, reverse the drill and back it out. I I don't know if I would. I you know a lot of people would panic and just try to yank on it. Or just Whoa. freeze and maybe call some. Yeah, we just pass the fuck out. Yeah. Boy, I may pass the fuck out right now just talking about this. What an yeah, awful, awful. I, you know what? Maybe it's just my overly cautious nature, but I don't allow a power oh, tool. Those drawers? Yeah, this is drawers at the hospital. I don't allow a power tool anywhere around my nether regions, even when they're unplugged. <laughs> yeah. Say like I even shave up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No blades going uh, that way, uh, man. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, you know, I carry my, my Glock appendix carry, right? Yeah, that and, freaks me out. Well, I don't carry one in the chamber. I practice mm-hmm. and train like mm-hmm. the old Israeli way yeah. of when I pull my firearm and I, you know, in my presentation, I charge it there. Mm-hmm. So then I rack it yeah. and then go on side or target. Mm-hmm. I mean, it only adds about 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4. And I know that. If we're in a race and that came down to whether I live or die, 
it does add, a, uh, you know, a half a second to the time I can get on target and fire. But I just kind of waited out in life. The chances of yes. me being a gunfight yeah. where half a second is going to be the difference between life mm-hmm. and death. And the chances of me just accidentally. And I know everybody carries a Glock tells me like, well, no, look, you know, you have to pull the trigger. It's safe. This, mm-hmm. I hear it, man. I yeah. hear how safe it is. And I believe that it's safe. Yeah. It's still pointing towards my. <laughs> yeah, let's, you know, let's let me see all those people yeah. who are giving you all that good advice show up at your bedside after you blow your dick off. Yeah, right? I'm just like, <laughs> I'll bet you and that's what I'm more afraid of than anything. I mean, look, <laughs> the balls are one thing, you know. What I mean, get them fixed. I'm done having yeah. kids. I'm not worried too much. You know I mean, like, you know, put a couple rubber ones in there, make for a cool story afterwards. <laughs> but something happens to your penis. Yeah. There's no reason to be alive. Oh, <laughs> like, <yeah>. Almighty. <laughs> really? I mean, like, what's there to point for? You know what I mean? oh. like, <laughs> All right. Well, I would call this a successful maiden voyage. I think Mikey did a I great did, yeah. job. I love it, man. Navigating. This is a definite stay now. I think so. Porno Mikey's headlines are here to stay. And we even challenged it because we totally digressed. We crossed him up. We went up. We were trying to talk. Oh, yeah. We didn't make it easy we for you. We were reading ahead at one point. And, yeah. And, yeah. Awesome. You feel good about that, Mike? I yeah, I liked it. It was cool. All right. I think yeah. we need a sponsor for this segment. Yeah. I think cool. we need to set up our two-shot thing going now. Or what? Our multiple camera angles. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, so yeah. Mikey can get some uh, camera time for, so all the, can, for all the bears out bear there. Bear lovers. <laughs> um, <Our> nature lovers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's start Let's start looking for a sponsor. Maybe uh, is Naughty America in the market to sponsor Porno Mikey's headlines? I lost my job to them, so they couldn't even... <laughs> or who else? Yeah. What about Jurassic Cop? Maybe would they, hit, up would the, they hit up the guys from Porn Pros or someone. Yeah, there we go. Uh, well, didn't they just sponsor what's his name? Uh, didn't fucking like uh, what's, what's the rapper's name that um, Kanye West? Yeah. Oh, really? I he got a porn he, sponsor. I think he did. Like uh, somebody because uh, I, I have know. to probably pay more attention. But yeah. Miss Smith was talking to me about. <laughs> As soon as I hear Kardashian, man, I zone out. Oh, right. I got to be honest hub. with you. Yeah. Was it Pornhub? Yeah. Yeah, I think he got some kind of uh, sponsor because, yeah, free lifetime premium membership to Pornhub mm-hmm. after gushing over. Yeah. So he's he's excited about a site that – don't they pirate clips, Mikey? That's how – that's the majority of their income is yeah. pirated stuff. But how? they have now – they've grown to the point where they yeah. have their own original stuff, and then people will post on their – They'll upload directly mm-hmm. to Pornhub, like their homemade stuff, I see. and then you get well, a certain amount of money. It's like an affiliate well, program. And a lot of the paid like sites YouTube will channel, this. like the way we get paid well, per clip. Like Naughty yeah. America will put their clips on there. They're yeah. just not full clips, uh, right? So that way, it's like you can watch it, get a taste of it. Oh, is that you right? Like yeah. it, you go watch the full. Mm-hmm. It always says at the end, "You missed the best parts." Yeah, I'm more of an expert on. <laughs> I'm just yeah. impressed you watch it to the end. You know, I'm into plots. You man. like the credits? Oh, I'm into plots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I told you, I'm that guy rewinds. I'm like, how do we get to yeah. this point? Hold yeah, a second. I, I detect an inconsistency. Yeah, in I'm the, like, uh, I got to know how she yeah. ended up sucking. <laughs> Where do we get to this? Well, I just find it ironic that a guy who is in the music business now has a sponsorship with a pirated online platform. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, they don't well, talk, I don't think he asked for it as much, but yeah. that's basically how they got yeah. big was yeah. it was pirated and then now they do have their own original stuff and they mm-hmm. are actually paying some like they have a booth at um 
AVN, AVNs. and they pay girls to be mm-hmm. there and everything. It's kind of weird, but I guess I don't know. I guess they, all so, right. So yeah. I'm well, thinking ahead. He got brought up too. The reason why this got brought up, it yeah. actually was. I mean, this is the guy. I think he just came out with a song. I haven't heard it yet. Mm-hmm. But he, I guess the song just made headlines because, mm-hmm. again, they're marketing geniuses, man, over there. Uh, where he talks about banging his three sister-in-laws. Or does he have four? Is it four sister-in-laws or three? I don't fucking know. Mm. Mm. I think I there's four. Is there four? Is there five Kardashians? I, I believe there to be five. Yes. Let me see if I can name them. I can't fucking right. count them. Does your uh, significant other watch Kardashians? Or no? No. Okay, but we, let me tell you something. We don't do Kardashians, but boy, we double up on housewives. Yeah, that's God Almighty. Too. And I told you we do housewives and little women. Yeah. 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 I don't. Mine doesn't watch the housewives or little women, but I'm very up to date on the Kardashians. So I'm actually surprised I can't fucking name Kim. Them. Uh, yeah, Kim. Chloe. Uh huh. That's the one that was married to Lamar Odom. Mm hmm. Uh, 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 the the younger Courtney. ones are Kendall, Courtney's and Kylie, yeah, Courtney, and then Courtney. Courtney. So yeah, there's five, five of them, yeah. but so four sister in laws because one That's of them's right. Kim, yeah. the wife. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What are the two girls that are Jenner's daughters named again? That's Kylie, Kylie, and Kendall. Kendall. Which the one that actually was good looking? Oh, I don't know. I tell you what, I saw both of those. Story for another time, but I went to a wedding. You told me this. Yes, but th- see, they I've were seen at. pictures of the rich one, the richer one. Uh, yeah, I see, I don't know who did better. The one that just who. had the baby, right? I don't know. I seen pictures of her mm. back before, yeah. and she's not very pretty. Mm. Now she is pretty. I she's had the plastic you. surgery. She's a good-looking girl now. Oh. But I've seen people like do the before and after, like what she used to look uh-huh. like, and it's one of those things where I'm like. That's pretty fucked up because if you bred with her, you're thinking you're getting the girl on the right, oh. but actually your kids are going to turn out looking like the girl on the left. Yeah. <laughs> look, she has no lips whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, those don't even look like the same human being. Yeah. But I'll tell you something, though, about them that, I mean, I this, this wedding that they were at, it was probably like on the left, like when she was about that age. I don't know. They're maybe a year or two apart or something. But we were in Mexico for a week at this wedding. This thing lasted a week. And it was uh, it was the wedding for uh, the guy that created Girls Gone Wild, Joe Francis. And we're all staying at his house in Mexico, which is a 54,000-square-foot house, by Jesus. the way. So um, they're there, and they were like mini adults. I mean, they were probably... 14 or something like that but they're so like like adult like and tall and all that and they were they were like the only kids i mean everybody else was adults mm-hmm. so you don't realize that they're kids at first and there was a bunch of like really age inappropriate relationships at this wedding there was like a lot of agent types who were there with their 18 year old runway models or whatever so i remember seeing these two and this was before they were i guess on the show a lot or something and we're like who are the models over there you know and then you're like oh wait what they're 14 that's creepy but they're you just you know what i'm saying you ever see like they're like kid actors where you they sound like many adults like it's really really strange the other weird thing about that wedding too is i the guy that i spent the most amount of time with was bruce jenner and i um at one point we uh were getting spa treatments together 
because the Kardashians' wedding gift was they flew their, I guess they had a spa in L.A., and they flew their entire spa staff down to this house in Mexico, and they had these tents set up on the lawn, and you could get, as a guest of the wedding, you could get any spa treatment you wanted at any point. So uh, Bruce Jenner and I were getting pedicures next to each other, and he was asking me, because this was a, uh, like a, a civil Polish union. Polish buff. Uh... I was going toenail polish because I was getting black. I think he was going buff. Yeah. And, and and that's a very metrosexual thing to do. I'm surprised. Yeah. That's yeah. what I do. That's, yeah. I get pedicure, but I, I, I didn't get any buff. I, yeah. I didn't get any read from so him doing on polish. There has to yeah. be, you have to, well, I didn't polish get polish would look okay on you because mm-hmm. it goes with the look. Right. But if I were to get polished, like a clear polish yeah. on there, I'm like, I didn't get any read from him on what was to come, but I remember we were talking a lot about, because this was like not a formal, it was like a civil union or whatever, and he was saying to me, he's like, so what's your understanding of this whole civil union business? And we were having the conversation. Now, as I look back on it, I think, hey, maybe he was thinking down the line for because this was back before gay marriage was pretty much legal everywhere. Maybe he's thinking about, hey, at some point, if I you know go through what i'm thinking about and want to take a bride or a groom is he gay or is he just like to dress like women well one doesn't necessarily mean the other right right my understanding is i don't think he's had the the downstairs surgery or at least he hasn't been public about that i don't know who he gets in relationships with but there was nothing in fact there was there was it was so not like any indication of that it was the opposite of it because at one point we're in the pool and i look over across the pool and also in this pool is cheryl teagues do you know who cheryl teagues was i do know that name. she was one of the first in the 70s like uh, swimsuit supermodels okay. like she was you know sports illustrated swimsuit issue okay, so like okay. when this was first coming into vogue i mean she was like the pam anderson of her time you had the poster up on your wall as a kid or whatever and she's in the pool i'm like hey there's cheryl teagues and bruce jenner starts talking about oh my gosh we did this you know campaign ad for some I don't know if it was a beer or soft drink or something in the 70s. And, hey, Cheryl, remember when we were posing with that Corvette and that ad got in, you know, a million magazines, whatever it was, they were having that conversation. And I'm hearing this and thinking, boy, that's just the ultimate 1970s male, isn't it? Bruce Jenner, the 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 Olympic athlete, the babe magnet, the, you know, good-looking guy and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll bring in pictures sometime from that yeah. wedding. Because uh, I have some pictures, I think, now that would be interesting to share. So anyway, there's my Bruce Jenner story. All right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> let's do it. Seems like a good one to end on. Uh, all right. Uh, a couple Bad of times. A couple of things. A couple of things. Uh, number one, do us a favor. Go to iTunes. Look up Phone Booth Fighting. If you haven't already subscribed, do that. Click the subscribe button. But also, click on the five stars. It gives us a, a, a very good rating. Also, if you have a moment or two, write a favorable line in the review section, and uh, that helps us out a lot. If you're, uh, you want to watch the show as well as listen, if you're not already there, check out our Phone Booth Fighting. YouTube channel and tell a friend about this show. That's how we're going to grow it organically. There's a couple of ways you can help us financially that are of no additional cost to you. And uh, for more on that Amazon banner on the front of phonebooth fighting.com, here's Frank Mir. 
Uh, follow my lead. I've been actually doing it quite a bit lately. Mm-hmm. Click on our phone booth fighting. You'll see a little banner there. Uh, click on the Amazon banner. By doing so, it transports you directly to Amazon. And now when you do all your shopping, anything you purchase, a small percentage comes back to us here at the show. Yep, that's it. I got it. it saved on my phone. Yep. Yep, thank you. You'll see a couple weird little neck machines. That's you, huh? That was me, dude. Okay. At Cowboy Collars for the kids. Oh, you guys see what what you buy? You can. You can't see who bought it. Oh, okay. But you could see. Okay. Yeah. I like where you're going with this. (laughs) You need to tell all your uh, fellow workers to buy it. (laughs) No, that's funny because like- Let's see if we can get them to blush. (laughs) Yeah. You know what we should do is it is kind of fun to highlight some of the more unusual purchases. I remember one time somebody bought a Pittsburgh Steelers garden gnome through our banner, and I said something about it on the air and got the email from the guy, hey, that was me. I bought that for my buddy who's a big Steelers fan. So uh, however you do it, I mean, we had one guy that basically outfitted a whole home theater, and and we appreciate that because that amounted to – to a nice little percentage. And again, you, you you know, it's no additional cost to you. If anything, you're just sticking it to Amazon and we're all good with that. All right, Frank, tell everybody how to follow us on social media. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us at Phone Booth Fighting. If you want on Snapchat or Twitter, it's just Phone Booth Fight. That's it for Frank Mir and for Porno Mikey over in the news department, the newly uh-huh. created news department, man on the, the, news and weather. the beat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, did a nice job of that. Uh, I am Richard Hunter and we'll see you right back here next time for another edition of Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu.